Hello everyone, a little quick note to tell you exactly what this is before I get started on the podcast you're about to listen to. This is a podcast from a year ago that was put up on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash true cult pop. It is part of the exclusive content that we do over there where you, if you sign up, can suggest an album and we eventually, hopefully, will get around to doing said suggestion. A year into us doing the podcast, we thought we'd start drip feeding some of our exclusive content um, from back in today to you now and that is what you are about to listen to it's a podcast with myself i'm stephen hill by the way hi and my lovely good friend sam slight talking about the album progress by take that so you know if you uh, want to go back and listen to that and all the things that have come since sign up at patreon.com forward slash true cop pop we'd appreciate that thank you and enjoy what you're about to listen to from one year ago <laughs> Hello everyone, welcome to Your Cult Pop. It is part of the True Cult Pop podcast here on our Patreon page. Thanks very much for signing up for this piece of exclusive content that one of you has suggested. We appreciate that. If you're hearing this and you're here on our Patreon page, I mean, as I said, thank you very much. You can suggest some stuff. Suggest whatever you want. If you want us to do a podcast about anything, fuck it, anything, literally anything. If you want us to do a podcast on... Uh, fish bar of whisper we'll do it at some point but we're mostly gonna do albums to be perfectly honest it's me Stephen hill it's him sam slight here he is hello how you doing mate i'm well thank you mate i've had quite Good. a long week i've been working oh my god i did that yesterday uh, i'll leave that then well same week same problems same shit different day <laughs> brilliant oh you're so mad this guy oh can't careful. believe you said that God, i can't believe you said that this is actually my life mental <laughs> uh i'm good by the way thanks very much for asking appreciate that and uh i'm pretty happy that we have had this suggestion from ali james thank you very much ali you suggested three albums two of them were very very serious records saul williams and clipping oh Big things, big, yeah. heavy, weighty, important, excellent artists. <laughs> and you also suggested the album that we picked, just to give you <laughs> a sort of insight into how we're feeling right now. You also suggested Progress by Take That, which is the sixth studio album from the British boy band stroke man band, I guess we can call them. <laughs> oh, Take man That, band. which was released on the 15th of November, 2010 ah the first album to feature the classic take that five-piece lineup which included robbie williams who departed the band in 1995 came back for this album and then uh buggered off again as he is wont to do so before we get into this sam when take that were around originally and they split up in 96 mm. i think they originally split up um or 95 you must have been very young i would have been one or two if it was 95 or 96 basically it was 96 i've just checked i thought it was uh, i would have been two then yeah. cool um i think my thoughts on take that um 
didn't exist. I think I was probably more concerned <laughs> about whether I was going to be fed. And you were, hopefully. I stand before you today. I must have good. been. Good. Well, good. Good parenting. Yeah. Uh, keeping your <laughs> Good parenting equals keeping your kid away from 90s, take that, and feeding them. <laughs> keeping them alive, yeah. Uh, keeping them alive. Yeah, so take that. Yeah, okay. Well, I f- kind of figured you would say that. Now, for me, I was a teenage boy while Take That were the biggest thing in music, essentially. They were massive in this country. Massive. All the girls liked them, and I didn't care for them very much at all. Although saying that, Sam, that's what I used to say to my mates to look cool. Deep down inside, did I like Relight My Fire? Yeah, massive. Did I like Pray? Of course I did. Did I like Never Forget? I loved it. Did I like Back For Good? Yeah, I like Back For Good. Did I like Babe? I like Babe as well. Did I like A Million Love Songs? I think I did. I think I liked it all. Did I like Everything Changes? Not as much. But yeah, I did. I kind of liked it all. I was a sort of secret underground take that lover who was annoyed at how much I liked their songs because they seemed to represent the absolute antithesis of everything that I as a young music fan was gravitating towards and then one day they just went away and I remember being like yes they've gone good good I don't have to hide my love of this music anymore and my, my secret shame and they sort of went away and boy bands did back then boy bands would come along you know Bross were the first one I remember hating Bross um and then I was like, well, they've gone now. And then New Kids of the Block came along. And I was like, oh, for God's sake. And then they went away. And then Take That came along. And Take That almost felt like the biggest one that I had encountered before. It was like when you cut the head off one, an even bigger one grows up to um, to sort of replace it. And so I was like, bloody hell. It's just never going to end, is it, this shit? Mm. It's never going to fucking end. And of course, then you get the big boy band, blah, 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 blah. Everyone in the world suddenly becomes a boy band. Westlife and Five and Blue and Backstreet Boys and it, that whole boy band era took place and came up. And I think it was sort of accepted that these bands would rise up, get a load of money off of sort of young female pop fans, and then they'd just go away. And that would be the end of it. And you'd never hear from them again. They would be replaced by something else. But what they did after that was never really discussed by anyone. They just were sort of thought of as like, ah, that's embarrassing for them that they did that and now you're a grown man and now oh, didn't you used to be in Take That? Ah, ha, 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 ha. Um, you know, boy bands reforming? No. No, 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 no. That, that would never, ever, ever happen. No one could ever imagine that that would have ever happened. It seems from someone who wasn't around at the time that boy bands were the most ephemeral of all kinds of ephemeral pop. They were absolutely disposable. And as you say, never really talked about after they, you know, kind of had their heyday, after they'd all risen to the top. You've done blue there, haven't you, is what you've done. Who are a boy band? Who are a do boy you band? dispute that? No, 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 I don't do I just was saying, like, just so people listening so they know what Sam's done there. He's done oh, he's I done thought blue. you were telling me off. No, I wasn't telling you off. I was just being making making sure everyone was clear on where we are. We're doing <laughs> blue. Yeah, 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 that's what we're doing. Um but yeah, no, you're you're quite right. Like the idea that it, they're incredibly throwaway boy bands. 
incredibly mm. throwaway. Of course they were. And um, a lot of the music they made has dated incredibly badly and is bad. I think if you go back and listen to some of Steps or, you know, the you get you get five tracks down the discography of S Club 7 and you're like, yeah, this isn't good, this is it. This is not good. Yeah. You know, Damage and A1 and Kavanaugh and stuff like that. Rubbish. But when Take That reformed, I mean, again, this is 2005, so you would have been 2006? 11, uh, 11 or 12. Yeah. Right, okay. So Take That's Reformation, which did happen in 2005, yeah. Cool. You, are you aware of like how that happened? I can't say I am, no. I mean, to be honest, for me, take that, like, kind of, I'm only really aware of them, well, as a kind of historical artifact that maybe should be best left to time and then progress onwards. Right, okay, yeah. Because here's the thing, right? There was an ITV documentary about Take That. It was a mm. massive thing where they go, oh, we're going to interview everyone from Take That. And I have to say, right, like, so my ex-girlfriend, who was my girlfriend when it came out, she loved to take that as a kid and so when this documentary was going to be on she was like oh my god i used to love take that we have to watch this and i thought with a decade of space between you know what they've been doing and obviously with robbie williams becoming like the biggest superstar in british music for you know a good portion of that time I was like, I want to, I, I want to know what the other people are doing. I'm, I've got a curiosity of like, oh my god, yeah, what, what did ever happen to the members of Take That? I, I was mm. kind of invested in trying to find out what was going on. Um, and the documentary is great. I think it's on YouTube if you want to watch it. It's really, really good. But them getting in a room together, the four of them, Robbie didn't turn up, turned mm. into Take That, reforming, and. The announcement of, hey, take that are going on tour and they're going to be coming back. And you go, oh, my God. And the reaction to it where, you know, Gary Barlow was thought of a sort of embarrassing, risible figure for so many years. Um, you know, like an, an embarrassment of a, of a man in a lot of ways. like the, the butt of so many jokes, mainly because of the success of Robbie Williams and Robbie Williams is, you know... Um, sort of fallout with with Gary Barlow that kind of push and pull between the two of them and so Gary Barlow definitely thought of as a joke Mark Owen won Celebrity Big Brother in 2002 2003 and cried on live television because he'd forgotten what it felt like to have people be nice to him you know um yeah and so when they reformed and it was like oh they're doing Wembley Stadium it was like, Jesus Christ, Wembley Stadium. This is insane. And then you get a beautiful world and you get the circus. Beautiful world obviously has Patience, which is their comeback single, mm. which is massive. And then the circus was sort of, you know, released with The Greatest Day. Again, an absolutely mahoosive song for them to come back on. And then wouldn't you know it, Robbie Williams decides to rejoin Take That, having snubbed them initially when this reunion and this in, this this thing was uh, first sort of mooted. I, I that never really sat that well with me. I was like, they should have told him, "No, you're not coming back. Piss mm. off." I think 
I don't know you if you ha- if you've ever thought about that. I don't even know if you've ever thought of that about that before, Sam. I can't say it plays on my mind often, but to be fair, yeah, I mean, <laughs> thinking about it, I mean, so I am aware. While I may not be aware of kind of take that's career i am more aware of robbie williams and i know that obviously in the lead up to well around the millennium he released millennium you know massive album obviously got some hits that are ubiquitous in kind of british wedding discos these days you know angels you can hear at basically every kind of slightly naff live event you ever go to um rock dj that's a big one. rock dj is a big one i remember that being on on top of the pops back in the day let me entertain you would be the sort of thing that every single bloody musical like if you had a butlins or something and they start their show they're gonna start it with let me entertain you i'm sure always oh mate that that was in every school disco like leaving you know going through primary school and well it wasn't there when i was in secondary school because we didn't really do school discos but yeah primary school school discos let me entertain you as a staple fixture alongside that song that i don't know the title of but you know hey hey baby which is a weird thing to get children to dance to if you ask me (laughs) Well, I want to know, know if you yeah. be my girl. Ooh, hoo, ah. huh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, big shit. <laughs> oh, it's an awful song. Absolutely awful song. What is that? Anyway, it doesn't matter. We don't have, we, look, we'll, we'll we look into that time. another yeah, time. Yeah. We really don't have time. Uh, but, yeah, um, I can't remember who did this. Yeah, anyway, sorry, go on. That's the kind of space that Robbie Williams occupied in my head, which was basically everyone knew who he was and he was just a massive kind of, part of the musical furniture and you didn't have to think too hard about it so i'd be curious to see if there was kind of a a slump in maybe his ticket or album sales and stuff that did lead him to come back to take that because it does sound a bit like he wasn't doing wembley stadium and maybe he thought ah i've got my chance to get back in and get a bit of a profile boost it sounds a bit slimy to me yeah so you've got to think right robbie williams is massive right he's massive in the the late 90s and then through into you know the the early part of the the 2000s particularly in in the UK i mean mostly mm. in the UK you get rude box in 2006 so when take that come back and you know patience becomes this massive hit robbie williams also releases rude box which is his seventh studio album and is an album which pretty much turned him into something of a laughing stock within mm. the 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 pop music community the way that people thought about robbie williams changed almost overnight i don't necessarily think it turned him into you know a, a washout or a, a washed up nobody and nothing do you know what i mean but like it certainly was something that everyone went what is this you know like he now looks back on it so I'm led to believe and said, oh, it was a, you know, it was a risk that I needed to take and blah, blah, blah. And people didn't get it. And it was a bit too ahead of its time or but I didn't have the right crowd for it or whatever. But the fact is people looked at Rootbox and they were like, well, that's the beginning of the end. You've got mm. to da, 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 up, 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 up. You know, in 2005, he'd played Live 8, you know, along with the sort of reformed Pink Floyd and the Who yeah, and yeah. You know, all those people and U2 and Paul McCartney. And people were going, you know, he's the biggest, he's as big as any star there. A year later, he releases this album and the ba- the boy band that he used to be in are, are number one. And that flip seemed to happen real, real quick. Mm. And I was like, ha ha, Robbie Williams. Ha 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 ha. You've been slagging off Gary Barlow for so long. You've been fucking taking a piss out of Gary Barlow. And suddenly Gary Barlow, who, you know, I know he's had a, you know, his accountant might need to um, 
have a word to have a word and uh, you know he said some he doesn't seem like the most uh he doesn't seem like a horrible person gary barlow he seemed like a bit of a a bit of a dope but like yeah. i don't think he seems like a horrible person and i was like you know robbie williams is seems like an arrogant cock basically and i was sort of delighted that take that and Gary Barlow and particularly Marco in and Howard Donald and Jason Orange who've been taking fucking pelters from Robbie Williams for years were now looking down on him from Wembley Stadium when he was sort of had had sort of dropped down from playing Nebworth to playing arenas I thought that was pretty funny personally I I can see how one would take some satisfaction in that because it's always nice to see a smug prick fall isn't it so yeah it's always always nice to see that um and anyway, but of course, the climb down by Robbie Williams to suddenly be like, oh, uh, yeah, we're going to celebrate um, 15 years since Robbie was last in the band by him coming back to do a new album. And I was a bit like, oh, no, bummer. Mm. Bloody Robbie Williams back and take that. And, uh, you know, the result of that is this album, Progress, so the third sort of comeback album. We've spoken about comeback albums a fair bit as well. Mm. And the, th- the second one, slightly diminished returns. The third one, usually like, oh God, let's just not pay any attention to them anymore. But with the context of all that stuff happening with this particular record, it obviously was going to go straight in at number one. It obviously was going to be a big deal. And it obviously is a very, very different record in Take That's discography as it is. The only one post-Reformation to feature Robbie Williams. Um, so I guess that's a fair bit of context surrounding the record, isn't it, Sam? I think that is a plenty, yes. I'm going to ask you what you think of this in terms of A, what you think of the record itself, and B, like how much other Take That stuff have you ever listened to? Uh, so I guess I'll start with the other stuff. I mean, I've heard you know those singles that you kind of reeled off at the beginning as the ones that you claimed to not like in front of your friends but actually did really like i've heard them you know i've heard the Mm -hmm. the big songs that everyone knows you know pray etc all that i can almost guarantee you i've never listened to a take album in full bar progress which funnily enough i ended up just listening to a couple of weeks by happenstance anyway because i was thinking about the flood which was a single that at the time uh, I think mirrors your experience because I loved that song, but I couldn't tell my friends because my friends thought I only liked Iron Maiden and Anthrax, which, to be fair, I did. But I also really, really, really liked The Flood. So it was like, ooh, how long am I going to keep this a secret? It turns out it's been, where are we now? 12 years that I've kept it a secret. I <laughs> fucking love this, mate. I think this is a great album. And I think the thing that really struck me listening to it in full in a kind of critical way is... It doesn't sound like Take That, well, it certainly doesn't sound like they did before to me. Maybe there are bits I've kind of missed out on. But you take the the duo of songs Wait, you know, which has got that kind of more subdued, kind of loose balladry from Barlow and Williams working together. It is one of the parts of the album I find slightly less appealing overall, um, when it does get a little bit more mawkish and saccharine. But... It is a boy band at the end of the day, so I'm not going to you know, have a go at them for not doing We Will Fucking Kill You by Mal Mathrak or something. But that song and Kids, the other big single from the album, I think they owe a great debt to 2005 and 2009 Muse. 
which is not something I expected to think when approaching a Take That album. Well, it's interesting that you bring up a band like Muse because, again, there is really no precedent for what is going on with latter-day boy bandy stuff. I mean, we see it now. Bross have released new music. The Backstreet Boys got back together mm. and released new music. Westlife have obviously just carried on and on and on. I haven't really changed at all. You saw Ronan Keating getting Matey Boy from um, the New Radicals to write music for him. And if you go back, Life Through a Lens, the first Robbie Williams album, is essentially a Britpop record. Okay. Right? It's essentially a kind of Britpop record. And Mark Owen, we did talk about The Green Man by Mark Owen that we somebody suggested. Obviously, we're working our way up to that because that's the pinnacle, yeah, really. you can't start with but the A-star. You got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Gary Barlow, his solo material was Gary Barlow-esque. Do you know what I mean? It was take that. It didn't sound that different right, to take that because, right. you know, he's take that split up and a year later, Gary Barlow was doing like, uh, just keep on walking down that unknown road. <laughs> Probably don't know that song, but that's actually an yeah, all right song. It rings about. You know, okay. But Mark Owen went and made The Green Man, which is an indie album. And, you know, the follow-up album, again, it's a kind of indie album. Like this stuff was big. Kylie Minogue was doing like Confide in Me with you know, working with James Dean Bradfield and Nick Cave and stuff. A lot of these sort of pop artists had a go at doing slightly more credible music. Mm. And back in the late 90s, they were just like poo-pooed and laughed at and like, what are you? No, 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 no. Not you. You can't do this, right? When take that, you know, that I would never cease to be amazed by the the critical like flip-flop of how of what time will do mm. like when i you know take that if you'd have told me in 1994 that in 20 years time take that will be considered a credible modern pop band i would have laughed in your face mm. right if you'd have told me that if you'd have told me in 2003 that in 15 years people will be talking about be excited about a new limp biscuit album I'd have laughed yeah, in your face. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If if you'd have told me in 2007 that, you know, in 15 years' time, My Chemical Romance will be selling out three nights at a stadium and they'll be thought of as one of the most definitive legendary bands of their generation, I'd have gone, are they not getting bottled yeah. by the download audience? And you're like, How, how's that happened? But you just have to wait. You just have to wait and eventually people go back to stuff and go, oh yeah. I mean, the Pesh Mode had it. Mm. The Pesh Mode for, for years were considered embarrassed, like like a joke. They got hounded by the press. Like, people hated them. It just takes a little bit of time. And I think the problem that, certainly that Mark Owen had, was that his jump into sort of indie Britpop stuff happened within two years of Take That Splitting Up. A decade down the line, when people looked at that documentary and, and had grown up and went, oh yeah, they, like, Gary Barlow's a really good songwriter. They looked good. Like they captured people in a certain way. Those songs are actually quite good. Oh, and they've come back with this new song and it's quite, it's a lot more mature mm. and it's not like a boy band, silly boy band song. Um, yeah, I think take that a kind of the first band of their type to really transform from the boy band to the man band. And I think on, and they did it 
a bit on the the previous two albums like like i say my ex-girlfriend was massive on take that and she was like she shit her pants when they got back together so she bought beautiful world the day it came out i think beautiful world is actually a, a very good album as well but but yeah this this doesn't sound like a boy band hmm. because essentially the people who made it haven't hadn't been and weren't a boy band for like 15 years so why would it sound like a boy band yeah i mean you're not going to expect it to sound like the pre-95 material are you because i mean as artists they have grown as you say um i think i was just surprised that muse was the particular flavor they seemed to be aping from for some of it i think there are other apparent influences on here i mean happy now which i think's a bloody banger i mean that's the scissor sisters isn't it that is the scissor sisters Mm -hmm. and i think that's awesome um it's it, Beatles on Pretty Things, I think. You know, it's got a kind of Beatles pomp and yeah. I, I, puff to it, I think. I hadn't considered that, but actually, on reflection, I think that's not a bad shout at all. Um, I think, yeah, towards the kind of... The end of the album, I think it drops off a little bit. I'd say, it basically, it's solid up until What Do You Want From Me? But I think, yeah, you can kind of pick and choose and wheedle out different stylistic things they're taking from. But I do think Muse as an overall thing for this album is the bullseye. And I think even thematically as well, the idea of, you know, progress and kind of evolving. I mean, just look at the artwork, you know, it's the members and take that kind of as an evolutionary chart, isn't it, basically? And I think at this time, I mean, Muse were just starting to become a bit embarrassing because the resistance had come out in 2009. But up until then, you know, they were a pretty critically acclaimed and beloved band. So I could see them taking from that. It did just surprise me. I think the the most apparent note is uh, on Underground Machine, which is a great song, but when it's the when boys meet girls and uh, when the boy meets girl and the girl meets boy, but they do that proper Matt Bellamy high pitched inflection on it. It's when the boy meets girl, and it's like, oh dear. I mean, if you're doing this kind of twelve years later, I mean, I'd be confused if I'd hit shuffle on listening to um, what's the new music album called? Uh, we're fucking cunts. I don't know. <laughs> we are fucking cunts. <laughs> that is what it's called. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um uh i don't know um yeah who cares i don't know i can't remember the new music already i can't remember what it's called thriller <laughs> thriller and um the beautiful people by marilyn manson at the beginning it's yeah. not a catchy title but it's the one that describes it best <laughs> um yeah yeah i suppose i was a bit taken aback that this is where take that had gone but actually as you say when you think about it rationally these people haven't been making the kind of music they've been known for to the same kind of commercial level for yeah best part of two decades so it makes total sense um i think i mean there is obviously the one song that i think we'll get back to but i think um across it i think the performances are really really strong i do think mark owen's stunted vocal calls at the beginning of sos is a bit of a highlight for me if anything i find the bits that are predominantly gary and robbie a little bit of a drag compared to the absolute best material on here um Poor old Jason Orange just getting relegated to the hidden track at the end. I poor know. boy, poor boy. But there we go. And, you know, Howard Donald. It's more than Howard Donald I was gets. Gonna say so Howard, he, gets, he gets affirmation. Yeah, affirmation, which yeah. is pretty rubbish, I think. Like, they, mm. I mean, that is, from affirmation, those three tracks, I'm like, I don't need them. Don't need them. Um, no, you don't. No, it's it's quite a weak ending. But then, you know, for essentially, like you say, like a boy band pop album, this is remarkably strong, I it think. Is. I think it is the strongest of the three. Having those first, I this is the last take that album I listened to. So I listened to Beautiful World. I listened to The Circus and I listened to this and I think this is actually the strongest one and I kind of didn't want it to be because of I just don't like Robbie Williams I think he's a bit of a I just think he's a bell end mm. basically and 
I, I I don't really like. I should probably go back and listen to Robbie Williams' back catalogue without the kind of the hate that I used to have for him because <laughs> I used to absolutely hate him, and I do just. I think now he's older. I saw that, that interview that he's put out recently where I was like, oh, you know, he's not the worst. I suppose he's just a bit of a bell ender, isn't he? Yeah. And he's a, um, a dopey twat. I think like Gary Barlow. Yeah. I think Gary Barlow's just got a bit more of a kind of cheeky grin about him. Yeah. I think like, Robbie Williams really does think he's the shit, doesn't he? He loves it. He, he loves himself. He's the Richard yeah, he Hammond really of pop music. He, he is a bit, himself, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think you're right. I think Mark Owen... Is, is man of the match on this. I think so. Absolutely is. And I think, again, all of the stuff that is brought to this record, which you could consider is a, being a little bit alternative, a little bit like Muse or a bit rock-based, I think I would credit Mark Owen with most of that. I mean, I think, you know, like, you mentioned SOS. First time I heard SOS, I was like, I'm not sure if I like this or not because it's either rubbish mm. or it's great. And I think I've come to go, I think it's not a, particularly well-made song but i do think it's really good because i think mark owen always sounds like he's about to run out of breath yeah yeah, yeah. like in all of his songs i don't he's not a great singer like he's not a, actually a great singer like when you listen to the 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 morrison's advert when he's like you you're such a good guy to me you ever think you want to be it's like he's running out of breath he's gonna suffocate in a minute but he is the best thing about this record all the times where he comes along um kids sos again what do you want from me mm. i i think he's the best bit about this record for the most part but then you know gary barlow he's a good songwriter mm -hmm. the flood is an absolute banger i don't i'm like you I, I don't care for weight that much i think it sounded a bit weird particularly when you go like i mean there's things where you go you may be stretching yourself a little bit too far mm. sometimes because ultimately you still are take that and weight was one of those times where I was like, let's not try and be, you know, boards of Canada lads, like <laughs> yeah. steady. Um, but pretty things, like you say, happy now. What do you want from me? You know, kids. I remember them doing kids at the the Brits. And again, it's quite a cheesy, OTT, bombasticy, modern symphonic rock song oh yeah and even the sentiment of it you know there'll be trouble when the kids come out it's like oh gosh aren't we rebellious it's like no you've like yeah. you're aping 40 mate like yeah yeah i mean that was the one that i could that and sos are the ones i remember comparing i went a flash flood of color i think it was by the end of chicago <laughs> and i just went sounds like take that and people go don't sound like fucking take that and i think they were thinking of like it sounds like babe but it yeah. sounds like those songs sound like any shikari songs they do I was saying, no, 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 they sound like the new Take That. You haven't heard the current, the recent Take That <laughs> album, and it sounds like this. This is what two of the songs that sound like. They sound like Enchikari. It's not even an insult. It's not even an insult. I like those songs. And people are like, oh, this is fucking sounds like Enchikari. That shit's followed me around for like a fucking decade now. Oh, really? Come on. Yeah. People always go, remember when you said the Enchikari sound like Take That? That's not like Take That. That's not like fucking Back for Good. What Enchikari song sounds like Back for Good? I was like, I never said that, did I? No. I never said, listen, no one listens to me, Sam. This is the problem. No one listens to my excellent criticism. And I, this, and it wasn't even a criticism. It was just like, there are two songs in the new Take That album that I like, and they sound a bit like stuff on the new Enchikari album. And these were the songs that I was referring to. And you just compared them to Muse. Not the most ridiculous, insane broad comparison is it really oh, come on come on people just listen listen properly with your ears and listen, listen to steve that's the most important bit <laughs> um, important bit, isn't yeah, it? yeah yeah but um yeah i mean 
as you say, the flood, I mean, it's the one I've got the, the fewest notes for. I've got two words of notes. I've just put absolute worldy. Yeah, I it's a great the song. flood is amazing. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know Take That's catalogue well enough to properly rank it, but I mean, the flood's got to be minimum top five Take That song for me. I mean, if there there are days where we'd probably take the top spot. Uh, yeah, it's good. I don't know, top five, would it be top five? I mean, Rule the World is good, isn't it? And I think, um, I mean, really, for me, the best song... It's mad, actually, because we were just talking about Howard Donald. And for me, <laughs> they, they gave him uh, Never Forget, which is a song they always end with now. And it's, no. like their, and it's definitely their best song. I think that's their best song. Oh, okay, fair enough. And they gave them, they gave that to Howard Donald. And I bet Gary Barlow's like, he was there, and I just went, oh god, let me do a song. Oh god, I can't. Oh, do you want to do this one? Yeah, yeah, go on and do that one, and it ends up in something. So they can't <laughs> kick Howard Donald. I think Gary Barlow would love to be like because Jason Orange has got, he's got rid of Robbie Williams, he's got rid of Jason Orange. I think somewhere deep down, he's like, I would quite like to get rid of. I'd quite like it to just be me and Mark. Mm. split it two ways then I don't have to pay as much tax <laughs> well yes of all uh, the tax which I'm not pays, paying yeah because yeah, I've got a fairly big tax bill that I have to like <laughs> from the back of. so if I can get rid of Howard brilliant but I think you can't get rid of Howard because Howard has to do never forget oh outspan I was going to say actually you talked about he's made of, himself you... sorry mate he's oh, made himself uh, indispensable and that is good good yeah fair play to him because um, yeah it, Howard Donald seems alright doesn't he he doesn't yeah. seem like a prat like the big two that people always think of and take that. But no, I was Anybody want say, any nibble? <laughs> I, I fear that yeah. reference is lost on me, but I still found yeah, it funny, it so that's good. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was going to say, in terms of kind of like assigning tracks, I mean, it does feel like, yeah, Howard Donald's been given affirmation. I mean, for me especially, Flowerbed, the, the, the one Jason Orange-led song, which is the hidden track, it's like, that feels more like a contractual obligation. It's like, well, you're yeah. in the band, so you've got to have a song, so let's hide it at the end of the record. We won't put it on the track listing. We'll credit you, but like only in the kind of the depths of the liner notes. It's like, oh, poor bloke. But he's gone now, so whatever. <laughs> yes, he lit fucked off, didn't he? He was like, oh, fuck <laughs> it. So they to- they toured this um, uh, this uh, tour, obviously. Yes. Um, do you know who their opening act was? Oh, gosh. Who would have been around kind of? interesting act to book in 2011 united kingdom oh was it let live it wasn't let live no oh, no it wasn't it was I your demise than... oh gosh yeah no it wasn't um like a wally there it was pet shop boys oh fucking hell that ooh, yeah that's bold it is bold mm. i mean but... i know i know who i'd rather see of the two well you get to see both yeah, but if I had a choice, I'd leave early. You don't have to. Cho- we don't have to. I'm saying if it's hypothetical. But you don't. Okay, fine. Yeah, well, okay, good. Um, they played eight nights each at the Etihad Stadium in Manchester and Wembley Stadium in London. They broke the previous record held by Michael Jackson's Bad World Tour set in 1988. Fuck me, 16 it, nights in, a sta- in stadiums. It broke the record for the highest grossing residency by grossing thirty-eight million pounds from their respective London dates alone. Blimey, profit on that! Profit on that. Um, it earned over a hundred and eighty million dollars that tour. Each member of the band received seven point nine million pounds 
at the end of the tour after tax. So, <laughs> so Gary got 15 10 million. million. <laughs> yeah, 10 million for Gary. Yeah, 15 million for Gary. <laughs> but here's the interesting thing. So I'm looking at the set list, right? And they start as take that, the four piece, rule the world, greatest day, hold up a light, patience, shine, um, segueing into Mr. Blue Sky by Yellow. Nice. Lovely. And then this is where I'm like, okay, I see what you've done here. Robbie Williams comes out and does Let Me Entertain You, Rock DJ, Come Undone, Phil, and fucking Angels. Fucking Angels. I don't need that. I do not need that. I've come to see Take That. This is the opposite of Ian Brown, where Ian Brown won't <laughs> play Stone Roses things. I don't want to go and see Take That and have... Let Mark Owen do Clementine. Sure. Have that. I'll even take fucking Open Road by Gary Barlow. I don't want Come Undone and Angels. Nah. I think that's See, fair. do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Oh, I've done eight nights at Wembley as a solo. No, you haven't. You've, you've He's a cheeky bastard. Mates. He's a cheeky bastard. He didn't turn up for the reunion and he waited and then he turned up later and he did this and he phoned in. A few, I'd say he phoned in. He's annoyingly, some of Robbie's bits on progress are actually essential and, and really mm-hmm. good. Yep. Right. So, for example, we mentioned SOS. That big, you get a five minute warning for divine intervention. That is great. When he mm. comes in there, you go, like, okay, fair enough. That is good. And then you get the Shaolin Monks interlude. What's that? What? The flood. <laughs> yeah. The flood. SOS. Underground machine. Kids. Pretty things. When they were young. Medley. A million love songs. Babe. And everything changes. Back for good. Pray. Love, love. Never forget. Never forget. And then an encore of No Regrets, uh, Relight My Fire, and eight letters. As if they're ending eight with letters. Bloody, as if they're ending with eight letters. To be fair, in my notes when listening to eight letters, I did say that feels like it would be kind of towards the end of a set if they were to play it. And that feels like the one that they'd be singing from stools a la Westlife. So actually, I can, I can believe it. I think it's a baffling move, but I can believe it. Absolutely, completely ludicrous. No regrets of Relight My Fire. I mean, you whack that in a little bit before. I, I thought they were ending with it. When I saw them, so I saw them, I've seen Gary Barlow solo uh, and I've seen Take That and Take That ended with Never Forget. And every time I always thought they ended with Never Forget. But I mean, that is a pretty good, I will take that. I will take that as a set list overall. I think you fucking go home early. I don't even need Relight My Fire particularly, but no. like, it, it's a good, it's a good set list. It's a good set list. Like ultimately, that is a that is a strong mm-hmm. um, twenty three song set list. I think I wouldn't mind seeing that. So they did just go into the tour. Like they did four nights at Stadium of Light at Sunderland, which holds about I think that holds sixty thousand people. Like I say, eight nights at the Etihad, two nights at the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff, two nights in Croke Park in Dublin, two nights in Hampden Park in Glasgow. No, sorry, three nights in Hampden Park in Glasgow, two nights at Villa Park in Birmingham. And, that, and then eight nights at Wembley Stadium. That was the UK leg of the tour. Jesus. And then they did and they did one night at the San Siro in Italy, one night in Parkin Stadium in Copenhagen, the Amsterdam Arena in Netherlands, and they did Hamburg, Dusseldorf and Munich. They did the Olympic Stadium in the Volpark Stadion, uh, which is pretty fucking big. Yeah. Big fucking venues. But really, I mean, look, they were only ever big in the UK, and I think that sort of proves it really. Mm-hmm. Although, yeah, like two two nights at Villa Park. That's that's one you'd have gone to, yeah, surely. Yeah, come on, Villa. 
Big fan. <laughs> Come on, Sam. We're going down the villa. Ooh. We're gonna go and we're gonna go and watch that take that reunion. Tell you what, pet. They're playing good. roll the world. It's looking a bit black over Bill's mother's. You might want to bring your big coat. <laughs> it's an SOS. It's an SOS. Anyway, poor um, brummies. I'm from near Birmingham. I'm, poor... I'm allowed to be mean about them. So. Yeah, and I am too because I am a mean person. Yes, so a mean-spirited gentleman. Yeah, and look, you know, massive, massive, interesting sort of... It is interesting how they have adapted to become something approaching some kind of credible artist who can do that mm. like years and years later. There's not many people that have done that before. I mean, this got to number one in Denmark, got to number one in Germany, in Greece, in Ireland in scotland got to number two in switzerland got to number one in the uk you will be shocked to learn shocked i tell you that it did not chart in the united states of america what? anywhere i am surprised I'm but it's livid. sold mate they're not they're not big in america they don't know what's all. good from over there do they eight times platinum in the united kingdom 2.8 million sales three times platinum in europe three million sales so Europe completely has only sold 200,000 copies more of uh, this album than than uh, than Britain has. Like, they're only big in Britain. Yeah. Like, yeah. love, bless their little heads, but they are only big in Britain. I mean, I don't actually think they've ever charted in the US, ever. Mm. Never. Yeah. It doesn't look like they have. I can't believe it, yeah. Yeah. Um. Because it is, mm. it's quite They've got a British, exactly. Yeah, it's a British take on what America was already doing. I was going to say actually, um, when you were talking about kind of the reinvention of artists, I mean, would how would you kind of respond to NSYNC and then Justin Timberlake's kind of career after that? Because I feel like that was probably one people wouldn't have seen come in. Like his, I mean, he is a credible artist. Like he's probably the, oh, definitely. the most credible of all the boy band members ever. He would be the one that I would look at and go, I guess you kind of broke the mould mm. in a lot of ways. I, I don't know. Cause, I mean, you, I suppose the Jackson 5 and the Jacksons were quite well thought of. But, I mean, you know, Michael Jackson going solo from a boy band and, suppose, uh, yeah. uh, you know, things. I mean, you can go all the way back. Like Scott Walker was part of the Walker Brothers who were thought of as a sort of pop thing. Yeah, to be fair. Who then obviously went on to be not that at all. Um, it's quite different from Take That, but it's a, <laughs> it's a thing. You know, there are there are examples of people leaving those bands and going on to do other things. I think Justin Timberlake was certainly the first member of a sizable boy band of that era mm. to be considered something more than just oh look at you trying to be a guy from a board because even robbie williams like uh, i don't ever think he was correct he had about five minutes of being credible when life through a lens came out and like i hope i'm old before i die came got into the charts and was a bit of a hit and you know prior to angels and, and you know as i remember it don't quote me on this but i'm pretty sure that album wasn't selling very well and his first couple of singles so he did a cover of uh george michael's freedom and then he did hope i'm old before i die mm. i think that was the next single um and then there might be something else and then angel and it was the, 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 the first they were like oh you know it's another flop um just like gary barlow's a bit of a flop and mark owen's a bit of a flop and 
he's just going to be another boy band flop. And then Angels came along and that's sort of what saved his career. Yeah. We put that out and it was a big thing. So I, I another reason to not like that song. I don't like that song. Rubbish. Rubbish. It is end of a kind of... No- Too much. It's end of a 90s sort of early naughty sitcom, isn't it? Angels. Like, it's... Too much for me, yeah. mate. Uh, Too much. Early doors at the pub Christmas party kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Not having that. Not interested. Yeah. No, 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 no. I am looking forward to Gary Barlow's version of Tilt in 20 years, though, to be fair. Talking about Scott Walker. I want to hear him slap, yeah, slapping me some meat on The Drift featuring Gary Barlow. <laughs> yeah, I am. I think that's why Jason Orange left, because he's, <laughs> uh, he's working with Sun. Career, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be putting his own split EP with Sun <laughs> coming out very soon. Just him dancing over some... some like discordant noise chords from a guitar uh all right good well there you go that that's our thoughts on progress by take that and the things surrounding it It wasn't always completely about that record but it is a good record i think it's 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 good pop it's a good sort of adult pop record is what i would say yeah it's one that you if if you are embarrassed about liking take that i think this is the one where you can go no no actually no they are they are good like they they do do quite Mm. sophisticated music at times even when it is a bit kind of you know mawkish boy ballady yeah. you know mm. yeah for sure all right anyway thank you very much for listening everyone thanks very much for your contribution to the podcast we'll see you next time i don't know what we're doing next time but we'll see you then see you later bye